High Republic. It's a crazy time. All this new High Republic stuff coming out. New era. Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod, and I'm your host, Josh. We've got a chat with Blake in the Escape Pod talking all about Star Wars The High Republic. What we think so far, the books we've read, there's been three of them and two comic book series. They're really building this era in such a fabulous way just stacked with stories and we're about to talk about everything what we think about it the villains specifically and what's going on with the high republic let's do it another happy landing we are the guardians of peace and justice. Beyond the stars is a near endless frontier. Our order was meant to shine its light in even the darkest corners of the galaxy. There, we found an evil that none of us had trained for that threatens all we know. For the survival of the Republic, the fate of all Jedi for control of the Force itself. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there, my old friend. It's pretty funny. Obi Wan like meets another version of Obi Wan. Well, hello there. Hello there. Oh, man. Can you imagine if young Obi-Wan met old Obi-Wan? Yeah, I could see that. Hello there. Yeah. Hello there. <laughs> I was I was reading something online just uh, the other day. I forget who said this. It was somebody on Twitter or somebody on the on a forum somewhere or something like that. Anyway, I found it interesting and I was like, oh yeah, that would have been cool. Is if Obi-Wan had used Qui-Gon's lightsaber through the second movie. Because the design oh. of his lightsaber mm-hmm. is exactly the same as the one from the Phantom Menace in the second film in, in Attack of the Clones. Like the, it's not the modified is, in any way. I thought they nope. changed it a little bit. The hilt is pretty much identical. I mean, it, uh, it, you can Google a picture of the hilt. Yeah, uh, I remember the Phantom Menace version. Yeah, the Phantom Menace version. So you had like the the pommel on the bottom. Yeah, it had the, had the big pommel. 
Yeah. Yeah. The black ball with the, the, the metal spiky bits. And, uh, that was, you know, the, the big red button and stuff like that. And, uh, and I then thought attack after, of the clones. I thought attack of the clones, he went to his traditional one from the same one we see from a new hope. No, that's, that's episode three. So, so he gets that in, in the clone wars and then in episode three, but, uh, the attack of the clones hilt was, was identical to, to the phantom menace. And, uh, really? and yeah, it's, it's really, it's really quite a missed opportunity in a sense, because I don't know, I, I feel like those little things that today in today's franchises where, you know, us fans get so uh, nitpicky over these little continuity errors and stuff like that. I mean, one thing that always stuck out to me about Revenge of the Sith was that Grievous clearly uses Anakin's hilt and yeah. like Obi-Wan's hilt and like yeah, all these really, hilts that he's like, it's really clearly recognized, right? Yeah, it's clearly recognizable. It'd be really and, funny if they made that part of the story where they're fighting him, like in the Clone Wars cartoon series, and he keeps beating them and taking their lightsabers so they have to make another version. <laughs> then Grievous has just, like six just, of Anakin's sabers and like eight of Obi-Wan's. And, like, man, can you imagine? It's like one of the, the 20 subplots of the film. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, it's always something that's kind of slipped by with those films a little bit with, with just the design of the lightsabers. And I feel like George is the kind of guy that just wouldn't care about that kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, as, I as fans were so... so no. <laughs> yeah, as fans, though, I think some of us can be very, very noticeable over these things. And, and you know, me specifically, when I saw this, this comment, it's like, oh, Obi-Wan should have used Qui-Gon's lightsaber through the second film. I was That'd like, pretty cool. yeah, that would have been really cool. And then and then just, you know, have him between the, the films or the, I guess, between Attack of the Clones and Clone Wars, you know, he, he makes a new one kind of thing. We just accept it. That's fine. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it was just one an idea that got me got me thinking. I was like, oh, man, that's. That would have been that would have been cool to see. Um, it's but. funny because Qui Gon's and Obi Wan's Phantom Menace hilt—that's what every single toy was for the yeah. longest time. Oh yeah, through yeah, all, all the two thousands. Um, yeah, that's that's right. I remember you could get even even purple ones and red ones, and they all had that hilt. They all had the know, same one. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> after Revenge of the Sith, they were just all Anakin's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a time now to be alive and now and now they don't do that anymore <laughs> no but speaking of lightsabers though did you see that article about disney creating this real looking lightsaber that has a retractable blade is it a toy yeah apparently does it cut through stuff <laughs> no <laughs> but it has a retractable blade and this is a, a patent that they filed for quite a while ago now it was like a couple couple of years back i think oh, but their why imagineers it, have been yeah why is it not on something. the market <laughs> well i don't i think they just literally came out with it and they presented it at some sort of some sort of businessy type meeting or something i don't know very very few people have seen this thing in action okay. but uh it's been floating around the internet that this thing now exists and it makes me wonder exactly how sturdy the blade is if it can retract into yeah. its hilt but well we had yeah. those toys in the late 90s and early 2000s that retracted and the blade did go into the hills yeah you have to flick it out though. yeah it was the tube like yeah <laughs> right. g like yeah the g-forces would throw and, it out and the length the length of the blade too was like a stubby little yeah thing, it was about you know? two and a half feet two feet something like that yeah yeah this one goes all the way in and all the way out the button the, whole, the, the button yeah. like it retracts as well yeah 
Yeah, the whole thing. All right, you caught my attention. Yeah, I know, right? It's a pretty insane invention, but yeah, I know we'll, we'll we'll see more hopefully very soon in the in the future of man. Because if they can pictures. take if they can do a, a Force Effects or Black Series or whatever they're called version of this, that'd yeah. be pretty slick. Just I think that's the idea, except it's not going to be uh, plastic coated. I would imagine that it's maybe some sort of inflatable. You know, just for pictures or for for costumers or something Inflatable. like that, so, like the old old original generation lightsabers, or just a balloon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a balloon. A, I don't know. And a flashlight, don't know, or maybe maybe a like how a ruler can roll up, but then it becomes rigid once you roll it out again. Maybe something similar to that, or those like those bracelets you slap on. Or uh, stick and then yeah. You slap. yeah, maybe something along those lines. But anyway, could you imagine the th- those like bracelets, but they're lightsabers. You're like. You're fighting some guy, you're fighting each other, and you hit each other and just like wraps around the other guy's body. <laughs> Tie him up. Be a light whip. Yeah, it would be, be actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So far, what we've seen from the High Republic. <laughs> um, speaking of the High Republic, so we've read the first couple things in this in this multimedia narrative. Novels and this, comics, this, yeah. Yeah, so we've gone through Light of the Jedi, we've gone through A Test of Courage, we've gone through Into the Dark, <laughs> and uh, we've gone through the test, at least the first Test of Courage, more like Test of Patience, am I right? <laughs> test of Patience. Paracha! <laughs> 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 It wasn't that bad, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Marvel Marvel's issue number one and uh, and IDW's adventures at least issue number one. I've read both of those, okay, and uh, I'm pretty sure you at least uh, I think you opened the Marvel one as well. I read point. all of them up till our first review with Bryce, and I haven't read any since then. Right. So many have come out, I've missed them. But I, yeah, okay, like, so probably just yeah, it's just the same as me. Then the first issue of both series, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, these issues are are very slow to release. They're coming out basically once a month, so so we haven't really missed much so far. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll it's worth mentioning that we have kind of put our foot in that door, I guess, uh, just so all our n- listeners are aware. It's like we've got hmm. this this uh, uh, all around spectrum as to how the High Republic is handling the story. But what are your initial thoughts on? After reading the third book, uh, especially uh, having read, you know, the first issue of the comic and now the other two books and such and such, uh, what are your thoughts on this overlapping narratives telling the same plot, same story Mm -hmm. with different characters in different spaces at the same time? I've liked it a lot so far, honestly. It's pretty cool. Just just the fact that you really feel that you're in different parts of the galaxy that are happening happening simultaneously so that's not something that's new to the star wars universe where we've had things that overlap for example uh, order 66 the clone wars versus the movie right but the fact that this is something that was so like obvious and unique and that you got to see it from all those different perspectives specifically in the novels oh that was pretty cool because it really helped tie it all together it felt like it was happening all at once yeah yeah, totally. That's something I really liked about the finale of of Clone Wars. It just it just vibed really well with the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and uh, you know I think that's that's what we can expect from Bad Batch too because it'll overlap with that storyline and and we'll have these these three oh, stories okay. all all existing in one space and then so Bad Batch will continue on. Does that mean Clone Bad Batch is going to start before Order sixty six? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Man, I'm excited for that. That's going to be really sweet. I'm curious how it's going to yeah, go down. Yeah, it's going to be. Because I bet they don't have the chips 
because they were first generation prototypes. Right. And, and, um, or, or even if they're just so genetically modified that, that the chips just don't work on them, you know, like right. something, something like that. But or the, what's, the hacker guy will like override them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what's interesting is that these overlapping stories is, is nothing, uh, nothing brand new. I mean, now we've, we've seen it a few times that have happened. And I mean, through, through Star Wars in general, over the last couple of years, we've had this happen before, yeah, where is, there are stories in comics and books that take place at the same time as something else. But no, it's Star never Wars, happened to this. Star extent. Wars wouldn't be the first one to do this. That would have been Marvel, I assume, right? Marvel would have done that before Star Wars. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody's done it before. I mean, uh, as far as Star Wars is concerned, I think you know some of the short stories I've read from some of the insider magazines, and uh, I know. Shattered Empire, the comic, the comic series Shattered Empire, which mm-hmm. took place during and and after Revenge or Return of the Jedi, uh, you know that was another story to to overlap with the film or whatever, and so we've seen it happen, but we've just never seen it to the extent that there's like three books and then two comic series yeah. all existing in one parallel storyline yeah. that goes a forward. lot, like yeah, a lot going yeah. on, which was super cool. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of like a, you know, like audio production or even just doing this podcast, right? Like there's all these different audio channels and they all go one direction, which is forward, but they all exist in one space and yeah. yet they're all doing their own thing, you know? And and that's that's what I really like about how they're handling this project. And it's so continuous. There's very, very few c- continuation errors, mm-hmm. but there have there have been some. Yeah. Um, they're just it's very minor things though like like there's you know some background character in light of the jedi which was depicted as as uh, a a male or a female is now the opposite in the third book that we've read kind of thing like you it's, know, considering the current paradigm that was probably intentional yeah i've i've no idea i mean like it's it's obviously just like either a miscommunication between the authors or or something uh, but it was it was a character that popped up in Light of the Jedi and in Into the Dark it it was there was a a bit of a continuity error there and uh, there was there was something else um, as far as uh, some other things some other things were concerned that that popped up which which uh, it, it's on the Wikipedia page here I can I can list I can list them out to you so uh, Jedi Master. Adam Poe is described as male. However, the character was female in Light of the Jedi. So so this character went from being a female to a male. And then uh, Jedi Master Rosasen is depicted as a woman. However, the character was said to be male when mentioned in the Light of the Jedi. So that was the opposite. That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So it's literally just a, yeah. a, a continuity, like a misunderstanding, miscommunication. Um yeah, and yeah, then, it's just uh, something that gets lost in translation from doing everything yeah. at once. So yeah, and then there's just stuff, of course, within the book itself. Uh, like like Reith and Dez are discussing Padawan braids. Comac uh, Vitus thinks to himself that he will not require his next apprentice to wear one, implying that he had a, an apprentice before. But by the end of the book, we we all come to the understanding that Reith will be his first Padawan. Oh so yeah, that's a good it's point. A weird, it kind of went yeah. over my head. Yeah, it's it went over my head too until I saw that. I was like, oh yeah. That means it was probably an edit. Like at one point at the start of the book, she, because uh, Claudia Gray wrote this one, she yeah. probably wrote him as having a previous Padawan, and then by the time it got to release, Changed had it. edited it, but missed that part most likely. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And that'll happen in books, you know, just here and there. It's it's just bound to to be a, a thing that does happen. I mean, with with planning out this these stories and you're writing yeah. a book for months on end, it's easy to skip stuff like that. And yeah, those are also things the editor wouldn't And catch. this must have been a huge undertaking. I'm sure they were uh, all trying to coordinate between all of the different writers at the same time, passing notes back and forth and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Plus yeah, you're dealing totally. with client side notes, stuff like that just gets confused. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, but I mean, in short, it, I mean, you and I both really like the this format that they're going with. Um, it, it is a lot to read and to stay on top of, but yeah, it's, it's like not all of it's great. There's definitely some downsides and some things are more interesting than others. I think we went into this a bit in our actual reviews. Yeah. The Nihil seem a lot more interesting than the Draugr. Was that the right name? No, the the Dren the Drengear. Drengear. Or the, the Drengear, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Draugr, that's Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> so many fandoms. <laughs> yeah. Can't keep them all straight all the time. Yeah. Uh the Nihil are still hands down my favorite part of this in- entire new era. They're to me, that's the coolest part. These guys right. are super unique. And I've always loved the pirates in Star Wars. So I think that yeah. that has by far the most potential. Yeah. Yeah. I really like them too. I, I, I think I brought it up in the, into the dark review that we did of that novel, but I was actually kind of disappointed with how the, the Drenger turned, the Drenger turned out just because they talked and it just kind of, I don't know, dampened the threatness of. Yeah. The, they, they should have been more like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Like the yeah, they really should have. They, the they should have been these mindless, vicious, you know, things that that you know, creatures that that hunt down any living thing. But they're really like a civilization of some kind. Yeah, they're completely sentient. <laughs> so, yeah, and they so understand it, basic for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird, right? And so it's an interesting third wheel to add to this entire this entire plot going on. I yeah, think that, what they I wanted love triangle, to do, though, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, well, and I think what they wanted to do is just try and introduce something that wasn't the Nihil specifically yeah. as a focus, because well, if it was that like they need to add in all this chaos to make a formidable yeah. event, right? To the Jedi. To the Jedi. And I do get yeah. that. And they, you could tell they really wanted something that has to do with the dark side because the yeah. Drenger, they're pirates, so they do evil deeds, but they're not like connected to the dark side of the force in any particular way. Oh, the Nihil. Yeah. Nihil, yeah. Right. So I know they were really pushing the Drengear to be this dark force using foe, essentially. Yeah. But your idea of it being a Sith creation that got out of hand or created by the dark side, I think is actually better than what we got. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, there's one thing about what that I do like about the Drengear or the Drengear uh, specifically, is is that by the end of the Into the Dark novel, our, the character Des Ryden, he takes the Barash vow, leaves the Order. And it's because the, his experience with those creatures severed his connection to the Force in a way that he just wasn't able to connect with it the way he was before. Right. And, and whether he, it was because he got stung by their needles or something, you know, by their thorns. 
So it gave me the understanding from that trailer that we'd watched, which introduces all this, the, the High Republic era and stuff like that. It said this very, what we at the time thought was a very cheesy line of like, oh, the Jedi will be fighting for control over the force itself. You yeah. Know? And, and we were all wondering what that meant. And so now at this point, after reading all this stuff, my my guesstimation is is pointing me towards this conclusion that the Drenger will be a threat in the sense that they have this ability to basically render a Jedi useless right. by severing off their connection, right? How They didn't really explain how quick they can do that, though. Yeah, I don't know what the process is like, but uh, it, to it's, me, it's possibly a thing. To me, it was kind of alluded to that it's a very slow thing. It's like a poison. Yeah. So something, it wouldn't be just like you get slashed with a vine and suddenly you can't use the force anymore. To me, mm-hmm. it was more like the venom gets into you, like a snake bite or whatever, right? You got to go and get the anti-venom before it's too late. That sort of thing. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It makes sense. I, and I'm I'm really curious to to know exactly what they'll do with this. And, um, you know, and about the, the Nihil, I mean... You know, I, I I'm with you on that. You know, I like them as a villain a lot more, and and I think it's really cool that we're getting these these culty kind of well, they have this code, but they don't have any ethics in the code, but they still have a hierarchy yeah. kind of thing. So it's like a group that's all about pirating, eluding, yeah, and doing whatever. It's... So yeah, and I I like that. Like it's something that's new and and not it's not a crime syndicate. It's it's something different. So well, it's funny because like it that. is a crime syndicate, but they tout themselves as not being a crime syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, as a crime syndicate, though, I think most crime syndicates they're in it for the money, right? Right. Well, but the the Nihil are also just, in it for the chaos. They're in it for the chaos. Yeah. yeah, they're in it for the chaos, and they're in it to bring down the Jedi and the Republic. Yeah, which is what which is what Marchion Row is kind of building. <laughs> they're kind to. of like the the vultures of crime syndicates. You know, they're Yeah, yeah, like, the scummy ones. Yeah, yeah, and they're more or less just there for like opportunists, right? They're scavengers. Yeah. Yeah. It's as if all the scumbags of the actual crime syndicates banded together, chose one uh, one as their leader, and then just let them loose into the wilderness, yeah. you know? Like that's what it seems like. Yeah, to I me, could see so. that. One thing that I think the Nihil has going for them is just the fact that they essentially have their own they have their own hyperspace travels. So they don't have to go out of the lanes like everyone else. Yeah. So I'm curious because at the end of the the first novel, uh, I'm not sure the name of it. I can't remember. Oh, the Light name. of the Jedi. Light of the Jedi. That's right. Uh, they said they're going to start going into uh, more towards the core worlds because they mostly had stuck to the outer rim. Uh, yeah. to that point so it's curious then uh, if they're going to be able to cut across different hyperspace lanes and kind of maneuver their own way through the core world areas as well mm. yeah it's almost it's, like it's kind of funny to me it kind of just a picture in my head to like bring it more mundane is kind of like if you were uh, someone who's being chased by the cops, but you're driving a pickup truck, so you just drove off the road and went through a field, so all the cars couldn't follow you, all the cop cars. Yeah. So something about that makes them interesting that I that I really liked about this because you know that I'm not overly the biggest sequel fan out there, but I mean, there's things about those movies that are still 
you know, expansive to the lore and, you know, things that I could appreciate. And Lore Santeca, which is one of these characters that we got in The Force Awakens, is this mysterious character that we don't know much about and haven't known anything about for years since that movie came out. And, and you know, I was wondering where that was going to go. And up until now, more recently, they've actually been doing something with that with that character, with that lineage. And so it's cool to see that in the High Republic, his ancestors are these these people that go out and uh, they're hyperspace prospectors. Like they find they find and calculate hyperspace routes to get from point A to point B kind of thing. And 200 years before The Phantom Menace, which is when this whole timeline takes or this whole story takes place, uh, you know, the hyperspace isn't nearly as calculated out or as mapped out as it would be in the films that we know and love, you know. And so I thought it was a very cool decision to bring that that into the story in a yeah, way. It is. Um, Makes me wonder, though, because we may, when we meet Lor Santeca, he's living mm-hmm. in a little dirt hovel made out of hides. It's a backwater planet. It's Jakku, actually. Yeah, yeah, in the in the movie, yeah. Yeah, and they're supposed to their family line is one of the wealthiest people on Naboo and possibly right. the galaxy. What happens? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And and I think I think uh he's supposed to also be the last of his line or something. Yeah, like so that. he should have all the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should have a Conf- lot of money. Yeah, right? confiscated by the Empire, I guess. And, well, and we know that. tax. <laughs> <laughs> and we know that two of his ancestors lived across the lake from the lake house in Attack of the Clones that That's Padme right. and Anakin it's spent time at. The most expensive area of all of Naboo. Yeah. So they're a pretty wealthy family. Yeah. And I yeah, I also wonder what, what happened to that. Unless he's the kind of guy that literally just he's a hyperspace prospector like his an- the ancestors, but he's also a what would you call what's what's uh, Indiana an archaeologist? Oh, okay. I think he's I'd like also to say philan- philanthropist. <laughs> no, I know. I think he's also somewhat of an archaeologist because he goes with Luke and Ben to a, an old Jedi temple, which is one that we actually see in Light of the Jedi, which is the one that's carved out of stone in the the rock face mountain. It's the one where you meet that that cook. Is Lor Santeca does this? Yeah, Is yeah, that a comic? And, and, it's in the it's in the comic. It's in okay. the 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 Rise of Kylo Ren comic that um, that I recommended you a lot like last year or something. Okay, right? I haven't got to it but yet. But it was uh, it was it was very very well done. And in that comic, you both you see two locations from the High Republic era in there. You see the the rock face side of the mountain with the Jedi Temple there, which is basically just straight out of Indiana Jones. Like it's the, the okay statues and i forget the name of that actual place in the real world but um it's it's designed off that place and uh that's where you meet the jedi who's like a cook you know he's like a, got his famous soup yeah his stew uh your your favorite yeah, character yeah from Light of the jedi. i forget his name but yeah he's got yeah. the this famous seven egg stew yeah like yeah so jedi stew. he lives like 300 years so he's he actually just <laughs> divided, like it, divided it into three parts where he was like uh he was a warrior in one and a diplomat in another, and I guess a cook in the third half. <laughs> third, yeah, like a chef, third. yeah. Yeah, so um, that place that they're at is the one that Luke Skywalker and Ben Solo go to with Lore Santeca, who takes him there. And they they rediscover this this place, which has been abandoned for, for you know hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years at this point, right? Uh, or around 800 years, depending on what happens to this place in the High Republic era. 
And uh, we see that in the Light of the Jedi book. And the other location that we see is the the space station, the Amaxine space station from Into the Dark. And uh, it's uh, actually Snoke's hideout place that he kind of sets up shop there and and uh, chills on his throne, kind of thing. That's that's yeah. where he is uh, when all, when uh, all Snoke-y. Ben, yeah, when Ben Solo decides to confide in Snoke, uh, he goes to meet him at this Maxine station. So uh, two two locations there that popped up in that comic that then became a lot more relevant in these in these novels. Uh, but yeah, Laura Senteca, you know, that family lineage, big part. I mean, of- it, it makes sense that he'd be an archaeologist because his name is Lore. Yeah, Lore. Building the Lore. <laughs> rediscovering the yeah, Lore. Exactly. Expanding the Lore. It's like <laughs> Indiana history. That's basically his name. It's like <laughs> the equivalent. Indiana mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so stuff stuff that's coming down the line because of course there's a lot of high republic story. I figured we would take some time and just talk about some of these some of these interesting things that are coming down. So first, of course, there's there's the the Marvel comic series, which has been coming out once a month. And uh the issue that we most recently had drop was April 7th. There is no fear, chapter four, Song of the Drengear. And uh, that's the that's yeah the the fourth issue so far in what's planned to be seven issues, but I assume that's just going to keep going, right? And uh, that's going to be dropping issue number six on June second. What do you think of the cover art for this? <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, like I like it a lot. It's it's Avar Chris riding a rancor. A rancor, yeah. I don't know if I like the idea of her riding a Rancor because they're supposed to be extremely force resistant. They're supposed to be created from the dark side of the force. I think that's why I like it a lot. <laughs> so, to me, I mean, I'm going to hold my review to it comes out. My first thought is the person who wrote this doesn't understand Rancors <laughs> because I doubt she has the same connection to it that we meet the Rancor Wrangler from Jabba's Palace. She probably met it somewhere in the wild and then I'm guessing used some sort of force mental ability on it, force dominate. Yeah, I, have, I have no idea, but it, it is supposed to start a new story arc, it says. And it says, the Republic frontier in crisis. The Jedi of Starlight Beacon joins forces with their most feared enemy to face the terror of the unstoppable Drengear Horde. And Avar, Chris and her new allies fight nightmarish creatures on a harsh lava world. Can young Jedi Keeve Trennis save her former master from the darkness. Uh, that's that's the Padawan that we come to uh, discover, who is uh, the, the one that um, Skier takes on as as an apprentice, oh, which okay. is the the, yeah, the Trandoshan. Is it just me, or a lot of these names sound really similar? I, I think what's what's difficult for us, for me specifically, is like I, I have trouble with names in the first place. Yeah, same. And so there's all these characters from all these different stories, and it's hard to keep track of all of them. You know, um, I only remember the ones that kind of stick out. Um, yeah, like Avar Chris and Reese Silas yeah. and G- Geode. <laughs> skier <laughs> because he's in all of them. Yeah, skier because it's skier yeah the trans ocean yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh so yeah um marvel series i mean already brushed up on that a little bit but that's still still gonna come out and uh yeah june 
what does it say? June 2nd will be issue number 6th. And then uh, that's that's the only confirmed date for the last issue so far. And then May 12th will be issue number 5. So two more to look forward to from that. Did they lineup. announce how long this series is going to be? No. Um, I, I imagine it's going to be re- uh, kickstarted as soon as <laughs> as soon as they because this is all under the volume one trade paperback book so as soon as issue six finishes they'll launch a a, a bound copy of all right. this in a book right but they couldn't so, go as long as the current star wars like lead title comic series yeah yeah and and another thing to remember is is we have this high republic project split up into three phases so this this first phase um, has it has a name, uh, and I, I totally forget the name of the name now. But I don't know. Do you want to high uh, high republic? The, <laughs> the, high, the, high, the not so high republic, the slightly lower high republic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, here I, I I got the names right here. So phase one is called Light of the Jedi. Okay. Phase two is called Quest of the Jedi. And phase three is called Trials of the Jedi. So all the stuff that we're getting this year, including the books that are coming this summer and all the way through fall, mm-hmm. all under phase one. So it's it, it goes to show how much is coming. So I don't think this series is ending anytime soon. I think we're going to be seeing this Marvel run literally go all the way through until phase three is over. Right. So it's probably, I mean, it, in that case, it is going to be, the head title equivalent of just yeah. Marvel's the Star Wars, and yeah. we'll just continue it's, through. It's just going to keep going then. Yeah, it's just, it's a it's an ongoing series, I think. Which yeah, like the Star Wars series, which has been ongoing. Like it's not a mini series that's just planned yeah. as a you know six issue story. Like this will go until the end of the the project, which is supposed to wrap up the end of twenty twenty two, roughly, okay. possibly twenty twenty three. So interesting. Long time. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering because the Acolytes was to come out in this period, right? The High Republic. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Is that is it going to take place towards the end? Yeah. So the Acolyte is supposed to take place uh, around 50 ish to 70 ish years before the Phantom Menace. Okay. And this That's, is like 200 I, I years, don't, right? Right now? Yeah. And this is this right now is 200 years. The okay. Great Disaster, which kicks off all these stories that we've been reading. That's kind of disappointing because that means the Nihil likely aren't going to be in it. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or it could be the kind of thing where very few of them are left. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this That's is- not this very is, exciting. Why would you create this awesome villain and then just skip to when they're- practically non-existent i i have no idea but but here's the other thing about kind of trying to uh figure out what's going to happen next is there's that clone wars episode with the nouveau vindi doctor character which which uh tries to recreate something called the blue shadow virus and uh i always thought that it would be a really good opportunity to use the blue shadow virus in this era as as like a, a staple story that might happen at one of the, at some point during these okay. phases. What does this and virus f- do? This this isn't the clone virus then. It's a different one. No, this is the Clone Wars episode in season one where it's like a blue mist. Yeah. That, that and uh, the Doctor is underground 
in the in the swampland of yeah. Naboo. And Padme and, gets it. She gets sick. Yeah, and, and all the Republic so, people that tr- go underground to try and catch this thing, it bomb goes off and releases this virus in the bunkers. And so Ahsoka and Padme are trapped down there. Anakin and Obi-Wan have to go off and find a vaccine for it. So it sounds very all too like real world, my goodness. Um, Anakin, <laughs> and, like, save us. <laughs> so um, so while they're waiting for the uh, the Blue Shadow 19 virus or whatever you want yeah. to call it, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the vaccine that is, they're, they're trying to hold on to life, like, you know, because they only got so long. And But anyway, there was a little bit of history that was given about this virus given by Nuvo Vindi. And he was saying that it was eradicated from the galaxy. Oh, interesting. At some point in the past. Yeah. And that was before Phantom Menace, of course. And and I always thought like, oh, man, if it was in this High Republic era, it would also be a crazy thing to think, oh, maybe these Nile, which already use gas masks and stuff, right. could potentially use this as a weapon or something like that. Or maybe they make it in the first place, right? Um, crazy. Yeah, I could see <laughs> so, that. Because they already yeah. use gas attacks, but what yeah. they use currently isn't uh, lethal. It more or less just incapacitates anyone who inhales it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm getting my timeline off, but but it could just work. going off my I mean, just going off my bare memory. This is this is just something that I was kind of you know it's the kind of thing that just comes to you in the shower you know yeah. it's like this epiphany thought like oh what if you know uh so mm. yeah speaking I of mean, stuff that could overlap how long do um i'm blanking on the name of the race but like the banking clan right mm. uh how long do their uh how long does their race live for I actually don't know. You're getting at the fact that Plagueis could be around. Yes, I am. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've been wondering about that too. And the fact that the Acolyte has this lightsaber slash through the title, I mean, I think it's a possibility that we could get some Sith showing up in the show because the Sith are around. Like that's that's one very important thing to remember that even though these stories aren't focusing in on the Sith at all, as far as we know right now, uh, it, it's a very likely scenario that there's two of them running around out there wasn't, and we just don't know where they are. Wasn't right? the idea, though, that we're not going to deal with the Sith at all? Was that publicly announced or was that just an assumption by fans? That wasn't uh, that wasn't it wasn't denied that we wouldn't see the Sith at some point in the future. But for this initial run of phase one, I, it, it's not the focus at all. Like right. we're really we're really focusing in on this great disaster, the Nihil, the Drengear, uh, stuff like that. By phase three, they could be around essentially. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, well, and it's the rule too. So they are around, but are they doing anything to fight the Jedi at this point? No, because a thousand years is a long time, and you know if you think about our own history, reality, yeah. and a thousand years ago. You know, we're we're like, that's a long time ago, right? Yeah. So, sure. I mean, they're they're definitely out there, and the galaxy is a massive place. And and at this point in time, it's confirmed that hyperspace isn't even properly mapped out yet. So, the, the if there are two Sith, they're out there. They, they could I mean, be, they are, but yeah, they could <clears throat> be who knows where, and and no one would know, right? So the galaxy becomes a much smaller place. Yeah, that's, like that's by, my thoughts. By too. the time the films, yeah. 
I hope they put off if they do bring it back, put them off, put off using them as long as possible, because if you just keep fighting the same thing over and over again, it kind of gets dry. <laughs> yeah, content yeah, wise. Yeah, yeah. that's I, why no, I, I totally get it. That's yeah. why I really like Deny Hills because they're so different, but they made them unique enough that they actually are somewhat formidable. Because Jedi yeah. are so powerful, and at this point, there's well, so many of them. And here's the other thing, like I, I, I think it's it's not a, it's not like there isn't room to eventually have a live action show that takes place in this time, or even a movie for that matter. Like the fact that they're doing phases, I think at any point they could decide, oh, let's do a like a, a, a time jump or whatever between these phases. They and, will, uh, judging by yeah, the length and, of time that the gap is, because right, it, yeah, each- exactly. From bit how you explained it, each era or, je- or section of this new High Republic is going to be entirely new characters. It sounds like it. Yeah, it, it sounds like it could work out to be that. That it's more of a generation per jump. It sounds like we might get three or four generations worth of Jedi in this entire story narrative, right? Yeah. So, like right now, Phase One will focus in on these Padawan characters that we're getting popping up in all these books. Yeah. And then by the time uh, by the time Phase Two comes around, they're like the masters, right? That's so gonna it be, could be something like that. I think it'll be more than that because if it's two hundred years out and they're gonna go to fifty, that's one hundred fifty years. It's like fifty years each. So I guess they'd be. Yeah. Like on their deathbed, <laughs> right? That's a yeah, huge I mean, time jump. Be. Yeah, for sure. That's I mean, going to be, be something like that. That's going to be really weird because we're used to Star Wars being Phantom Menace to till the end, which is mm-hmm. well, in this case, um, even even both the whole thing takes place in like what forty years. All six movies, uh, all the nine yeah movies. the original the original well if you add in the nine movies. It's 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 probably an extra like, thirty years added on top of that. But Anakin was like fifty something or whatever when he when he died. I think he it looked was. a lot it's, older than that. But okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he was burnt to a crisp, <laughs> <laughs> like bacon. Yeah, so because it's all ABY, right? Uh, he was forty five. Wow, he was forty five when he died. He looks like he was yeah. sixty. Anyway. So from yeah, so from Phantom Menace to Return of the Jedi, it's give or take fifty something years, because he's like nine in the Phantom right. Menace. Right. Okay. Yeah. So then, and the gap they they kept it as real world from uh, Return of the Jedi till Force Awakens, I think, right? Which was like, twenty nine. Yeah, so it was about years, thirty. Yeah. So another thirty years. Yeah. So, so we're looking 80. at. 75 to 80 years. Yeah, 75 to 80. But the whole thing, those three movies take place in like two years, which is crazy. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. So basically you're looking at the time gap for all nine movies being half of the time gap for that entire era that they're already planning to publish. Pretty much. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But and I think it's it's also worth noting that – Actually, we should we should keep going down the list of, of things because uh, it's oh, worth noting that there is well it it has something to do with one of the things on this list. Uh, actually, is it on the list? No, actually, I don't think it is. Okay, so there's a Chinese <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a Chinese Star Wars 
novel coming out. I just got to look this up because I thought it was on the list and it's not. Okay, so there's a Chinese exclusive Star Wars novel that's currently not supposed to be adapted at all. And it's supposed to be a completely original story that takes place in the High Republic era at the very, very... That's so weird. End. Yeah. So is, that, and is it not in North American canon? No, it's, it's totally canon, but it's written to try and introduce Chinese audiences to Star Wars because yeah. apparently it's not a big thing over there. So they decided to make a China exclusive novel that explores a unique sector of the galaxy, which fits into the overall canonicity of the franchise. And uh, so Matt weird. Martin, Matt Martin recently confirmed that this book, which is called The Vow of Silver Dawn, mm-hmm. is the English title of the Star Wars novel, is set towards the end of the High Republic era and is said to focus on the Jedi and the strange relationships with sectors in the Outer Rim, per an official video that appeared in a recent uh, Weibo post. So apparently this is also supposed to take place a, around the same time the Acolyte does, which is about 50-ish to 70-ish years before The Phantom Menace. Okay. And that's when the High Republic ends, like yeah. as an era. Is this book so, released in China already or is it upcoming? This is an upcoming book. Okay. Yeah. But it's going to be the so, first of that timeline, like that era. Uh, this is, at, well, it's not even a new era. Like it'll be, t- actually, technically, it's like the a, end of yeah. the era. So right? it, like it's the the end of the High Republic. High Republic, yeah. but like phase three, whatever. So technically, yeah. because yeah, of the gaps, three. it's basically a new era. Yeah. If they're 50 yeah, exactly. years apart. Yeah. So if you want to find any more information on about that, that's not on the the starwars.com list that we're going off of for all the future content. That's uh, it's not listed because it's not going to be available in in North America. But uh, let me let me send you the link. Man, I don't know if I like this whole regional thing. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not too fond of it. There's literally canon that's going to be missing. You cannot access without getting a Chinese copy and then uh, getting it. like, at some point, I'm sure they'll they'll adapt it, but they want to make it feel as if like Chinese audiences yeah. get something exclusive, right? Yeah. But so can you imagine I, if I imagine. every country got a different book? Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I, I I don't think it'll ever get to that, but I I can I, like, I understand why they're trying to do this. Yeah, I get right? it too, but I don't know. It's Pandora's box situation. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know what you're saying as well. Um, it's also worth noting the first three chapters mm-hmm. are released online. And it's if you're going by BBY standards, it's 82 BBY. And it's released in simplified Chinese on the Shanghai-based starting point Chinese web of People's Republic of China. So and in the, North America, the, we're going to have to get like a hacked online version pirate version oh, yeah and translate hacked or translated yeah something like that i'm sure i mean there, there's a really detailed wikipedia page about this story so somebody has done their research and and i think read what's there and again i don't know if this is uh oh i think it is actually it might be released no it's not released yet fully oh they're releasing it's like a a chapter at a time or like a maybe a section at a time or something like that and They've been publishing them ever since December, all the way up until April twelfth. So, so it's like a comic. 
it's like an ongoing book that's been severed into like 169 or more sections that they're releasing in in little pieces and bits and yeah so I'm not entirely sure, but it's worth noting that that's in the realm of the higher public. It's canon. It's not in English. And hopefully eventually we get it in English. I do wonder, though, if it is that era, if it's going to have connections to the Acolyte. Yeah, I wonder that, too, uh, for sure, because I don't know what the relationship is like with the disney plus over there like whether or not it's even a thing or or if certain things are obviously you know yeah. not accessible or whatever right it's you know the internet's very controlled over there so it it, it could be a a show that maybe m- might be geared for grabbing the attention of viewers over there once this book is in its completed form and and in people's radar Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, you know, maybe they'll be more aware of this, this high Republic. It might be used as promotional material. You yeah. Know, I think, I think that's invested. the idea is it'll be promotional yeah. material to get fans over there interested in the Acolyte and other Star Wars. Right. As well. Yeah. And if the Acolyte, and if, if, it, if it's meant to hook people into the Acolyte, the Acolyte might be something that'll hook people into the Phantom Menace. That's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking outside the box here. I, I see know, what dude. you're getting at, and I like where your head's at. I just, I know most people have already seen that movie, and they have a predetermined <laughs> idea. All right. Well, I was trying to hit. I was trying to like point towards what you were saying about Plagueis and stuff like that. But That'd be who cool. knows? You know, man, how cool would it be to have a second movie? That run that starts just before the Phantom Menace and then runs parallel to the Phantom Menace, but is like stuff behind the scenes, like Palpatine. That's just the Darth Plagueis novel. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> all right, you, you hear that, Disney? Adapt to the Darth Plagueis novel, all right? Us fans are screaming for Dude, it. Dude, honestly, it made the Phantom Menace so much better. Oh, man, it did. Uh, it it did. Awesome. And I'm not, even a, I'm not even a Phantom Menace hater, but... I love that book so much because it adds so much depth to that movie. And I love anything that gives my favorite movies more depth. Like Agreed. the Clone Wars finale gave depth to my favorite Star Wars movie. And, and you know, that was just like one of the best things ever. Like seeing seeing a story that overlapped with, you know, George's 2005 Revenge of the Sith was just like seeing more of that same film. And, yeah. and that's like dream come true if it's your favorite movie <laughs> so i mean yeah i'd bring it on if they're making a movie that overlaps with phantom menace like totally no I'd be down. it makes so much sense for disney too because honest i know that it's i think it's become pretty apparent to people that they're pretty afraid to have anything to do with like the prequel era specifically do with early prequel era and this is something they could really use to try and like polish that right and get people more interested by fixing a lot of those people's poor opinions of stuff because if anyone could do it dave can he already did it for the clone wars itself right. which is span yeah. between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith so give him give him the behind the scenes phantom menace and let him fix that up too yeah yeah exactly i mean you know let him let him play let dave play around in in that era and i mean it's the one that he knows incredibly well and, oh yeah uh yeah i mean you know i, I trust dave <laughs> yeah i mean see, honestly that guy can be given the worst scripts of all time and make great one of the greatest films ever created so oh yeah yeah it's it's a good stuff i mean 
there's so much talk about him and George spending so much time together and and how George loves the movie Seven Samurai and yeah. how that that's been you just something watched that, that Dave's, recently. Yeah, and Dave Dave's had to recreate that story was like two 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 times now or something in in Star Wars because of course they have the the Clone Wars episode that recreates that plot and with Hondo and his pirates attacking the farmers on on yeah. Felucia and yeah and then they have the Mandalorian episode with the farmers there and yeah. Mando and and uh Cara Dune have to protect the village and train them to fight and everything and and it's it a was classic the same exact line. thing yeah it's a classic storyline and so I had to watch it so I mean I turned the subtitles on but it's it's a long movie like it's like three hours or something crazy or three and a half hours but it was it it wasn't actually that bad because it is done in like 1950 something yeah it's a while ago which you think or because if yeah. you watched movies from that era their pacing is super slow so if you yeah, think really it's slow yeah three hours long it's gonna feel like five hours <laughs> you would yeah think, yeah yeah right? yeah exactly but like akira kurosawa is like one of these filmmakers i guess at the time he was just thinking so far ahead and had this pacing that was unlike anyone else at the time mm. and i think that's just why george really grabbed onto it a lot and as inspiration and and then carried that through the 70s where you know you had a lot of these slower films still and a lot of not fun movies for kids and he made something totally different and something so totally new mm-hmm. and that really kicked the 80s into this golden age of filmmaking in yeah, a way and, and then pack you know your, your cop buddy yeah yeah movies. stuff like that yeah yeah exactly i mean it just the, the whole industry changed after that film so uh yeah it's it's crazy i mean it, it, a lot of a lot of films do pay tribute to seven samurai and including including uh, when i was reading on wikipedia page infinity war also played some sort of homage to that film somewhere and i love infinity war but i couldn't remember where that was was it and the fact because it because it's kind of like getting the gang back together right that's part of it yeah something like that or maybe i, I was also thinking maybe it was about wakanda and like the avengers will show up to defend wakanda and stuff you know like from the invaders okay so i was trying to think of all these different things in the movie that happened that was like the plot of seven samurai but I couldn't I couldn't think of too many. But I mean, as I'm not like a professional filmmaker like George Lucas. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that I guess he would probably somebody like him would probably notice. But um, yeah, very notable, notable film. Hmm. Uh, worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. So Star Wars Insiders magazines. I don't know if you've ever picked one of those up before, but they have a tradition when episode seven was announced. Okay. <laughs> That's the so only one I've ever owned. They have always had a tradition of publishing short stories in the odd magazine here and there that up until the Blade Squadron short, and I tweeted this out, I don't know if you saw that tweet, but the very first canon anything and literature was actually a short story from the Star Wars Insider magazines. And it happened to be the first part of the Blade Squadron series, I believe it was, or something like that. Okay. And uh, and so now flash forward years later, we're still getting canon content. Once in a while, we'll get one of these short stories popping up in the Star Wars Insider magazines. There was one that that are, is a predecessing chapter to the Dark Disciple novel from Clone Wars and such and such. There's been a whole bunch. So there will be High Republic short stories now 
uh, happening. And I think the first two was already released in in issue 200 and 201. It was like Starlight Beacon part one and two or something like that. Well, one of the things on the list of upcoming content is going to be an Insider 203. It's going to be Hidden Danger short story part one. And in preparation for the Republic Fair on Valo, the Agrarian and Agricultural Alliance is having their annual seed bank conference on Starlight Beacon. I bet this leads into the title we talked about before the recording, which is a book coming up called Showdown at the Fair. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So... Uh, this story will involve the Drengear. I'm not going to bother leading the whole plot. That's kind of but, funny, though, actually, now that we've got all these pieces put together. Yeah. Because that means yeah. there's like a county fair and they're all the farmers, everyone get getting together, showing off their prize pigs and pie eating contests. They're going to be judging probably biggest pumpkin. And these Drengear, which are plants, maybe are picked by mistake and brought in for, for like people tourists to take pictures with and then they're gonna start eating everyone (laughs) yeah 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 i wonder it's gonna just be this crazy uh you know like plant infested market (laughs) yeah i'm wondering it makes sense so yeah to to skip to that story what you're talking about you're talking about uh star wars the higher public showdown at the fair it's a storybook Best title yeah. to ever come out of any Star Wars media. <laughs> any it's a media. storybook by George Mann and is going to focus in on the Wookiee character, Barriaga. Is that how you pronounce it? Barriaga the Wookiee? Barriaga, I would go with, yeah. Barriaga, yeah. So the dreaded Nile launches a surprise attack. And uh, this is seemingly at the same fair. It's going to be Nihil that- and Drenger. So, yeah, all in one place, which is kind of a well. Is it the same? Yeah, it is the same. It's got to be. Place. How Republic many Valo yeah. and how many uh, county fairs are they going to have? Yeah, it is Republic Fair on Valo. Yeah, so this is the same place. So what I think this is because I read the Great Jedi Rescue, which was also a children's storybook like this, eight by eight size, and it was basically an adaption of the first phase uh, or the first third of Light of the Jedi, the novel of the Great Disaster. And then just took a chunk from the end chapter and when they're all on the Starlight Beacon and then stuck it as the finale. But it had some artwork in there for kids and all that stuff. So, yeah. So this is very much supposed to be, I think, what we're looking at is a kid's adaption of this short story. Okay. That's going to be in The Insider. So Um, in theory, if you get The Insider magazine or read that story, you won't need to buy the kids. like Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I, I I had a a nice time kind of grazing through it because uh, I it, it, it grazing does, county fair. Yeah, just grazing through it. Yeah, because yeah. the text is so Cow easy to, to read, right, on these kids' books. Like, it's pretty quick to get through. But then they also have some artwork in there from moments of the story. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you get to see the designs of the ships and this and that and all this other stuff. So, so that was kind of nice. Um, all right, let's get into the next one. We have... A big staple book coming from the Del Rey adult series by Kevin Scott called The Rising Storm. Yeah. And this is a continuation of the Light of the Jedi. Yeah, I can see that. Directly. Yeah. Uh, of the titles that we've got listed on this uh, Star Wars.com link, uh, probably the most interested one 
would be this one, I would say. Most interesting. Yeah. It's kind of cool in title. You got the the Nihil facing off against some Jedi. Yeah. And so interestingly enough, did you want to read that summary there? Sure. It's pretty long. <laughs> in the wake of the great hyperspace disaster, the heroism of the Jedi, the Republic continues to grow, bringing more worlds together under a single unified banner. Led by the Chancellor Lena So, the spirit of unity extends throughout the galaxy with the Jedi and newly established Starlight Beacon Station in the Vanguard. In celebration, the Chancellor plans the Republic Fair, a showcase of the possibility and peace of the expanding Republic, a precept the Jedi hope to foster. Stalin, Stalin Geos, Bel Zadifer, Elzar Man, and others join in the events as ambassadors of harmony. But as the eyes of the galaxy turn towards the fair, so too does the fury of the Nihil. Their leader, Marchion Rowe, is intent on destroying the spirit of unity. His storms descend on the pageantry and celebration, sowing chaos and exacting revenge. As the Jedi struggle to curb the carnage of the rampaging Nihil, they come face to face with the true fear their plans to unleash across the galaxy, the kind of fear that even the Force cannot shield them from. So this is now the third, aside from, well, the fact that the children's book adapts the short story, this is the thir- the second story now that brings up this Republic Fair. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you know what I, I think is happening? So the first books all were around this big disaster. Now the yeah. second generation, everything revolves around the county the fair. fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, guys are running out of ideas. What do we do? Uh, the Let's county the fair. fair. The county fair. Yeah, it's, it's probably going to be like the ending of Little Rascals, and then they're all at, uh, at the the derby with their with their cars, but like everything's happening around that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so this is though. I mean, without without saying too much more, this is on sale June 29th. Uh, and and it's gonna be the continuation to the light of the Jedi that we've been waiting for. So I the have to say, fair. the title is more interesting than the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta agree <laughs> with you there. The rising storm sounds a lot better. Uh, this does nothing to do with the storm. I get that the Nihil brings storms and stuff, but yeah, this is I, I, like I, I, robbing some farmers. <laughs> This big I, step I guess, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll find out exactly what this is all about. It's worth noting the short story also launches with Insider 203 on June 8th. Okay. Uh, and so Rising Story, uh, Rising Storm comes out June 29th. So June is going to be a busy month for all that stuff. Yeah, I noticed uh, that's, that. That's uh, including the the Marvel <laughs> Marvel series June 2nd as well. So yeah. We're going to be pretty busy in that case. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, race race to crash point tower by Daniel Jose Older is going to be the next middle grade novel, June 29th on that one, and I'll quickly graze through this uh, summary. The Republic Fair is coming. <laughs> Visitors from all over the galaxy are traveling to the planet Valo for a massive, awe-inspiring festival celebrating the Republic. While his fellow Valons prepare for the fair, Jedi Padawan Ram. Uh, Jam, Jamaram is hiding out at his favorite place, a dingy garage filled with mechanical parts and tools. But when a security alarm goes off of the nearby hilltop named Crash Point Peak, he ventures out with his trusty droid V18 to investigate, where he discovers 
that someone has been knocked out Valos or someone has knocked out Valos communications tower. A frightening sign that Valo and the Republic Fair are in danger. Sure enough, as Ram races towards the Jedi, the dreaded Nile uh, Nihil unleash a surprise attack. It's up to Ram to face down the enemy at Crash Point Tower and send a call for help to to the Republic. Luckily, he's about to get some assistance from unexpected new friends. So that is race to Crash Point Tower, and it'll be a light continuation of what we read from a test of courage, which was the 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 middle grade novel that we read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming a lot of these characters, they kind of cross back and forth between all these different stories. And once again, another story that takes place at this fair. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, because it says it's a Republic fair, celebration of the Republic. So it's probably on yeah. multiple planets. But these synopsis all specifically say it's thrown on Valo. Yeah, it's it's just the, I guess it's the chosen location to host this this fair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to be getting a lot of a lot of crossover crossover material i guess um yeah i read read the next one i snuck ahead and also says republic fair so i really feel like they're trying to grasp on to the hyperspace events but in a different direction and Mm. if i'm entirely honest i'm not impressed (laughs) right i guess we'll see what it's all yeah it's like it works i feel like they knew they they got a lot of reports back that that part was really well liked their hyperspace thing everything happening all at once so they're trying to repeat that. Um, so this one that you're looking at is the sixth issue of the Star Wars The High Republic Adventures IDW comic series. And uh, I, I it also says new story arc yeah. on this summary. So this is also like the Marvel series going to stop the existing arc, which is a following of the great disaster. And it's going to start getting into this fair stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is interesting because it picks up where we left off with Into the Dark's characters, Leox and the crew of the vessel and uh, Geode and stuff. So we're going to be getting those characters getting into the comic runs. Honestly, we'll I'm to- probably more interested in this than the previous books, because to me, Leox and Geode trying to save the county fair seems a little it seems like a more <laughs> proper storyline for the county fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more oh, when you say when you say county fair. Yeah. I, I, I think you're thinking of this this like fifty person party in the street, you know, like <laughs> Yeah, I'm picturing I, like a harvest fair at the end of the year and everyone's getting all their crops together, celebration, that sort of thing. I, okay, yeah, right. Okay. So I'm picturing because like I'd I, I know I know where you're thinking, like I, I'd like to, to <laughs> I'd like to think that it's more like an expo. You know, it's like a planet-wide celebration. Like yeah. this is like a a big thing, right? Like a a huge a huge celebration yeah. celebrating the the republic and yeah. their victory and whatever else. Celebrating right? the republic makes it seem like maybe it's closer to Independence Day, that sort of thing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I imagine that this is possibly a a reason as to why the Nihil would choose to attack because the chancellor's there all the jedi are there there's people there it's a celebration they want to spoil yeah Uh, obviously they're not going to be happy yeah celebrating they're going to crash the party 
Right. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I guess we'll have to just see how big this thing is supposed to be for all these stories to converge here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we got out of the like, shadows. It's funny the next book. because I, sorry, not to cut you off. It's funny because everything with the hyperspace disaster made the galaxy feel bigger, but everything mm. now going to the County fair makes the galaxy feel <laughs> way smaller. Is that just me? No, I, I, I agree with you. I just, because I haven't read any of the stuff, like yeah, I don't want to yeah. jump to conclusions. Right? That's fair. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So Out of the Shadows, Justina Ireland's next book. Of course, we, we all just read A Test of Courage. So this is her her next book, but it's going to be a young adult novel instead of a middle grade novel. And so this uh, is basically a sequel to Into the Dark, uh, continuing the story of Wreath Silas. And uh, July 22nd release date. Do you want me to read this one or do you want to read it? I can take it. All right. So Out of the Shadows. Yes. Uh, Sylvester, Sylvestri Yarrow is on streak, uh, is on a streak of bad luck with no end in sight. She's been doing her best to keep the family cargo business going after mom's death. But between mounting debt and increasing attacks by the Nihil and unsuspecting ships, Syl is in danger of losing all she has left of her mother. She heads to the the galactic capital of Coruscant for help, but gets sidetracked when when she's drawn into a squabble between two of the Republic's most powerful families over a patch of space on the frontier. Tangled up in familial politics in the last place Syl wants to be, but the promise of a big payoff is enough to keep her interested. Meanwhile, Jedi Knight Vernestra Rowe has been summoned to Coruscant, but with no idea of why or by whom, she and her Padawan Emery Kantoros arrive at the capital along with the Jedi Master Comac Vitus and his Padawan Wreath Silas and are asked to assist in the property dispute on the frontier. But why? What is so important about the empty patch of space? The answer will lead Vernestra to a new understanding of her abilities and take Syl back to the past, to the truths that will finally come out of the shadows. Out of the shadows, a nice play on to Into the Dark, which is the predecessing novel to this. And so Justina Ireland and Claudia Gray kind of switching seats. Mm-hmm. Her, you know, Justina now making a sequel to these characters in this book. Um yeah, what do you think of this? Because this is now the first story that we've read a summary of that isn't about the fair. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the characters in this book I'm more interested in. Yeah. Because these are characters that I found pretty interesting from the previous novels. And they've kind of all been pushed from two different books into one, which is kind of neat. It's like we've got mm-hmm. Reed Silas in here and his master, Comic Vitus. And then you got from the children's novels, the Vernestra Rowe. And mm-hmm. uh, her new uh, Padawan, what, what's, what's his name? Right, she's Henry, the 15-year-old right? Jedi Knight or whatever. Yeah, right? it's funny because yeah. when we did the review, we talked about how two of three books had Padawans getting new masters by the end. And now we have a book with both of those two uh, new masters and new Padawans working together. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. kind of funny how that all lined up. I guess they saw, oh, these two will probably get along. <laughs> right. <laughs> or yeah, four. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's it's interesting to see how all these 
are crossing over the way they are. But yeah, I think you're right. Like, like this is this is definitely going to be this book and the Rising Storm are going to be the ones to to follow very closely. And like the Light of the Jedi, only a third of that novel actually focused in on the Great Disaster. The other two phases or the other two parts of the book were elsewhere focused on other things but the great disaster played into that yeah so i can imagine that this fair i'm just speculating here is gonna just go terribly wrong everyone's gonna die or a lot of people are gonna die and you know the nile and the drendir all show up and they're you know that's where they clash and yeah just blood gets spilled and and then the jedi don't really know what to do and whatever else and uh that's potentially where all these characters are kind of going to go off in their own roots again and uh and how this event is going to affect some of the other stories and some of the other characters so i think it's only going to be this like piece of that story that we're going to then touch up on which will then play into how some of these characters can cross over into these other Mm -hmm. stories and get to know some of the other characters in those stories right um but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, this one, this one in particular, Out of the Shadows, refreshing to see that it's not going to be heavily backboned on that same plot line like all the other ones are. Yeah, it's a 13 plus young adult novel. Is that the same as the previous uh, Into the Dark book? Yes, I believe okay. so. So it's uh, more of so, a more of a sequel to Into the Dark than, than it, it is a sequel is. to Into the Dark. Yeah. yeah, it's it's more of that than a sequel to. A Test of Courage, which is a middle grade novel, which is for like 11, 10, maybe nine and up kind of thing. Uh, and okay. technic- technically the sequel to that is Race Race to Crash Point Tower by Daniel Jose Older. So a lot of these authors are kind of, they're doing a junior novel, they're doing a young adult novel, then they're yeah. doing a, a that's, adult novel. So That's yeah. interesting how they wouldn't pick authors that are specialized at a particular age group. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I guess I guess they're 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 an author and they know how to write for various age groups, and so yeah. I guess they're well, splitting I'm, the load. I wouldn't and... expect Robert Munch to compare with Stephen King, you know. <laughs> right, that's fair. <laughs> Although having Stephen King write a write a children's book would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are just have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so. Here's another thing. Tempest Runner by Kevin Scott. Kevin Scott's a busy guy, man. Uh, Star Wars The High Republic. Tempest Runner is a Del Rey audio original novel uh, releasing August 31st. As one of the as one of Martian Rowe's most trusted allies, Lorna D has carved out a place for herself as leader among the Nihil. But it's lonely at the top and the Tempest Runner like Lorna is always watching her back for threats, whether those threats are from the Jedi or her fellow Nihil. So the audio original novels have been very well done yeah. and uh there's only been two so far duke of jedi lost and the dr afra adaption of the comics which was adapted into an audio original novel but very good stuff like it it feels very you know high budget and and uh lots of cool sound effects and music and it it's a it's not an it's not. I don't know. I guess. I guess dramatized would be a, another way to put it. Yeah, I can see. It's like a radio show. From yeah, the 50s. yeah. It's a bit like a radio show kind of thing. Yeah. So it's it's very well done. They've done a good job, and and it's cool to see that High Republic's going to get a story specifically about 
a Nihil. Yeah, person. that's what caught my eye immediately. This yeah. has um, immediately jumped to my most anticipated. I just think the Nihil stories have been above and beyond everything else that's come out in this era. Yeah, yeah. Even better uh, than the, a lot of the stuff from other eras, including the original trilogy. It's just been really well done. They're cool characters. So I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got one more thing on this list, aside from the... Yeah, we already t- touched up on the uh, on the kids' adaption <laughs> of the, the fair. Yeah. But uh, we got... Several times over. Of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got The Edge of Balance, a story by Shima Shinya and Justina Ireland, art by Mizuki Saki, Sakakibara. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, September 7th this year... 13 and up it's going to be a manga which is the first canon manga that we've ever had okay. and uh wh- what do you think of this cover this is pretty cool like yeah. samurai style lightsabers it looks super anime or manga which i didn't actually read the blurb so it makes a lot of sense yeah. now. to me at first glance didn't look like it was star wars <laughs> right <laughs> like it looks like um maybe more of a just just a straight up anime coming out of Japan, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the only thing that's different about Maybe this Akira. is Akira. It's very Akira in style. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting about her lightsabers is like they are very reminiscent of Kanan's, but even more samurai style. Like yeah. with a bigger disc and less of a, a yeah, emitter a f- on the top. Full large and, disc uh yeah. cross guard. Yeah, so very cool stuff. In the aftermath of the great hyperspace disaster, young Jedi Knight Lily Tora Assi is assigned to help displaced civilians relocate to Banshee, a planet in the Inug system far in the Outer Rim. While balancing the arrival of incoming settlers and teaching the Padawans on our temple outpost, Lily must also confront an attack by the insidious Drengir, and after the events of the Republic Fair, deal with the growing threat of the Nihil. But the dangers to Lily and her Padawans are much closer than she thinks. So this gives us a bit of an insight as to what's going to go down at this fair. Because it seems to me as if this fair is going to be kind of like the Empire Strikes Back of the Drengear. Like they're going to come in, wreak havoc. You know, now they're known as like a threat to the Republic Whereas before, when Marchion Rowe, in Light of the Jedi, he only sacrificed one of his storms or whatever. And the rest of his like mass amount of army is still in reserve, right? So I think maybe this is where he's going to pull out all the stops and uh, have a really devastating blow to, to the Jedi and, and to the people of the Republic, which is at this point in celebration of something. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Something that really caught my eye in this blurb, and maybe it's just a, kind of like, like a typo in just how it's been written, but it, it mm. says, uh, growing, or see, but dangerous to Lily and her Padawans, plural. Yeah. Uh, so if you read like just above that, it talks about Padawans being here, but, it says her Padawans, as in she has more than one Padawan, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I think what's I think what's interesting about that is it reminds me of like a Yoda character. Yeah, 
where maybe they used the wrong word. Maybe what they meant to say was younglings, but the Padawans. she might be, yeah, she might be, it might be the kind of thing where they're on some sort of excursion, like, or some sort of field trip mission, kind of like how in the Clone Wars, we saw that episode where Yoda and Ahsoka take all those Padawans or yeah. younglings that are going to be Padawans to get their Kyber crystals. Yeah. That's what I, my and first thought was too. Yeah, so maybe that's it's something why like that. I suggested maybe it's uh, a typo of miscommunication. But yeah. let's say hypothetically she has more than one Padawan. What do you think of that? <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> the, the code forbids it. <laughs> I mean, it's another era. Like you could possibly – they don't have to wear braids. So the code forbids it. They could do anything. <laughs> the code Forbids it. <laughs> Take a seat. <laughs> It'd be interesting, though. I don't know. You know yeah, no, I Spice yeah, of life. It would, be, it would be interesting. Maybe this whole thing goes terribly wrong, and that's why they put that in the code. Yeah, I, I have no <laughs> idea. She lost all but one Padawan. So only one Padawan it shall be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. What if Mace went... Oh, dude, what if... In the second or third, because okay, now now we've talked about all the stuff that's coming down the road, and we can kind of do a little more speculating here. What if we see like a like a really young Mace Windu show up at some point? That'd have to be really late, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it would be like uh, in the in the third phase of this. Yeah, you know, the yeah. the High Republic right at the era, end, but just like a young yeah. Mace Windu, it'd be funny if you just like little tiny Mace Windu's like. Have a purple lightsaber, and then the next Jedi Padawan next to him is just like, "Not gonna have purple. Purple so rare. You gotta have purple. It's never gonna happen. Keep dreaming, Mace." Oh man, can you imagine him in uh, in in Yoda's training? You know, in in like the the youngling training room or whatever. And yeah, like, you know, all the students are on the way out the door, and Yoda kind of goes up to Mace like, mm -hmm. "More powerful than me, you will one day be." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. See that the interactions of Baby Mace Windu, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really funny too. Just like the have a lot of like Sam Jackson, like his personality in like a yeah, six year old. Yeah. That'd be pretty funny yeah. to watch. His his swagger in a <laughs> yeah. six year old man. That'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be very entertaining. Trials of the Jedi. Looking forward to that phase. <laughs> it's got to happen. Hear yeah, that, Disney? Yeah, exactly. You hear that Disney? We want it. <laughs> we want we want baby Mace. We want Darth Plagueis. Oh man, what do you think of old man Mace too showing up in like the Obi Wan? Oh series? man, yeah, in because the Kenobi series. Let's let's be honest. May, uh, Sam Jackson he asked George Lucas, "Hey George, can I can I live through this? Can I be alive?" He's like, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" <laughs> Like, in his head, he's like, I'm not bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> but he said that. Sam Jackson's on record saying that George said Mace, Mace survives falling out the window. I think, Yeah, I think Sam believes that he survives. And, and I like a lot of other fans also want to believe that he made the fall. But there's been no content with his character yet. So I guess we've yet to see exactly how that's going to play out i think an amazing sh like do like a short series like maybe three or four episodes of just darth vader hunting down mace windu after 
they get leaked that he survived. How <laughs> kick ass would that be? That would that'd be pretty awesome, honestly. Like I think, yeah, that's that's like one of the stories that that would that would be pretty sweet to see yeah. like on screen specifically. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to be yeah. a full album. It can be like a UK style like miniseries. Oh yeah, like four episodes or, yeah. or whatever, like three even, you know, something like that. But yeah, that would be really cool. That would be all uh, kinds of kick ass. The 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 fact that they're bringing back Hayden to play Vader gives me the impression that we're going to get some flashbacks. Like yeah. we're going to get some serious Clone Wars flashbacks going on. And like in, in unless it's like that fluky kind of thing where it's like they make a big deal he's going to be in the movie. And then we see him in like two shots. Yeah, like they do un- that a unmasked. lot. Yeah, like he's going to be unmasked and like, oh, that's Hayden. Kind of like the the Rogue One scene where he's unmasked, except now it's actually going to be Hayden and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I hope I hope that it's not like that. Like, I hope that we do get these Obi-Wan PTSD moments of him and Anakin as brothers fighting in the Clone Wars, like m- maybe moments we've even seen in some of the episodes or even moments beyond that. Um, that would be so cool. Man, like, we I would should do that, that as a fan film, so hopefully they'll get the idea. Where it's just hopefully like, they do it for real so we don't need to make fan yeah, films. Yeah, I mean, do you hear fan- that, Disney? <laughs> <laughs> a fan film just like Obi-Wan like, in his hovel and he's just like, suffering the PTSD of like remembering the good times with Anakin and it just like cuts to yeah. Anakin like burning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I mean th- that's that show I think is is I- I'm really looking forward to that show f- for sure. Uh <laughs> we very quickly deviated away from my republic now, but yeah. Well, you know. Uh, but let's <laughs> yeah, let's, let's <laughs> it, it's it's where the interest <laughs> There's lies. There's a lot of sure, Star Wars news. It's hard to there, grasp on all of it. There there is. Yeah. No, I think Kenobi's going to be really cool. And the fact that Sun Hang is in it so cool like i've yeah. always loved him in fast and furious yeah me too like he did a fantastic job he, he plays such a just a, a chill character that's just yeah. never surprised by anything but always knows what's right. going on like i could totally imagine him being some sort of some sort of smuggler or or some sort of uh yeah. you know gun for hire or something like that you know like yeah something something interesting yeah, um, I can see. It. He definitely would play uh, a, a fantastic smuggler. He's definitely got the the right yeah. attitude in the acting I've seen for at least. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the day where they bring in like the Fast and Furious cast, like to make oh, them all no. Star Wars characters. <laughs> it's just a Fast and Furious movie. Up. They're just Vin- they all yeah. meet on Tatooine and they're doing their drag races in their ships. <laughs> the pod racing. Yeah, and. <laughs> What's a good character name? Uh, Din Viesel. He's he's Diesel Vin. Din Viesel's his character is stealing car parts on the side. Din Viesel ship parts on the side. Such a good Star Wars name, Din, Din Viesel. Yeah, it should be a thing. Actually, I coined that pretty good. I should patent that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Kenobi. I'm doing this for family. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. (laughs) This was my dad's ship. It's got too much power. I've been scared to use it. This is my father's pod racer. (laughs) Dude, I kind of want a pod racing movie now that's just fast and furious. (laughs) (laughs) 
a sneak peek there for you guys for the next Star Wars fan film that we have in production right now called Star Wars Pod Racer Return of the Boonta Eve. I'm totally kidding, by the way. This is just a joke. Uh, <laughs> I hope you like the custom outro, though. I thought it was fun. I was feeling it. So, you know, I'm a big Fast and Furious fan as well. But, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning into the show, as always. Thanks again to our co-host, Blake, for joining us on the show. And uh, if you guys can help us out in any way whatsoever, it would be by leaving a fabulous review of some kind you know that that always helps us out and we like to expand our listener base and and reach people who haven't heard the show before just to just to kind of spread out who we're actually uh, our, our demographic kind of thing and and uh, it's always encouraging to see more people tuning into the show it is a non-profit show but it is motivation for us to keep doing it because you know if we see that people like us chatting about Star Wars on a weekly basis. It is. It does take up our time, and you know we do love doing it. But uh, it's also nice to see that people are tuning in. So if you can share this show with a friend, that would be a huge help as well. And uh, also maybe even just post on social media, tag us in a tweet at SW Escape Podcast. Let us know your favorite episode and uh, what you thought of the High Republic so far. All that stuff. Look forward to great episodes coming down in the future. The What Happened series that goes on. Star Wars Rebels talk coming in the summer, as well as Bad Batch right around the corner. Guys, thanks again. May the Force be with you, and we'll see you next time on Star Wars Escape Pod.